Today on Private View, in the middle of uh, COVID-19 lockdown and our pre-records, I am lucky enough to have a woman who impacted the way I viewed business in ways that she won't really understand until we start this conversation. Anya Heimarsh, MBE, CBE, Royal Academy, Honorary Doctorate, the Design Museum Trustee, Businesswoman of the Year, Shops globally. Hello, Anya. Hello, and thank you for that very, very lovely uh, introduction. I'm laughing because all those nice things you've said about me, and yes, I've been struggling really hard with now I'm setting up my home recording, so it just goes to show, right? <laughs> um, what a week of learning about tech. It's a deep dive. It's a deep dive, and it's a deep dive that I'm, who normally am so resistant to every every kind of technology, just said yes the second we went into lockdown when Soho said you can do it remotely from your house. I normally would have been, no, I won't be able to figure it out. It's not going to happen. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Frankly, I mean, I, I found myself actually um, rescheduling a Zoom on, a, on an occurrence and not a series and deep diving into my shared Google Docs and discussing and just thinking, whoa, hey, how much? <laughs> You're not so old after all. It's amazing. I mean, you do sort of learn, learn skills and it's, you know, frank, frankly, it's kind of rather brilliant. But anyway, we'll come to that, I'm sure. It's really rather brilliant. I didn't know what Zoom was before COVID. Did you? Uh, well, we had used it, actually. We we used it a bit for our sort of Japanese team weekly meetings, but it, it was always a bit unsatisfactory. But I think we've just got the hang of it now. Um, there's lots of rules like turning your, your microphone into mute so that you can hear each other and various different things. But, you know, it's it's a bit like having one hand tied behind your back in terms of comms, but it's pretty brilliant, frankly. And um, it's made me rethink how we how we work, actually, as we as we go, hopefully, back. To and, and the rethink thing you're mentioning now uh, haunts me because... When I talked to you at the last public event I did, which was at Maddox Gallery, and you were with the Wealthy Her Network, and it was 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, and you were talking about having shut down the majority of your bricks-and-mortar shops around the world because that kind of selling wasn't really working anymore. And what's interesting is that kind of selling isn't available to us at the moment. I feel like you had a crystal ball or were somehow clairvoyant in so are you really the person behind this whole corona conspiracy? <laughs> no, not that. Did you um, know something? No, I mean, it, Is it, there it, a 5G it, bag coming out? Listen, I mean, you know, no, I got if I if I if I did, I think I'd be you know a different position. But I uh, no, I mean it's not rocket science though, is it, that the digital revolution is the sort of the modern day industrial revolution i mean in the sense that it changes everything and it, it you know it, it's impacted so many uh, normal distribution methods if you take fashion um you know actually selling perhaps to a middleman you know to a wholesale or a department um, store customer in a way you know quite quickly i think it ends up with the, the brand going direct to the consumer so therefore having perhaps sort of cookie cutter stores the same all over the world doesn't feel quite so modern anymore um, and we were in that we were in that mold honestly you know we had 55 stores around the world you know the same store across singapore malaysia you know hong kong london new york etc and actually, is that now relevant? And it's all my kids' friends who were sort of starting up businesses online without all the overhead, really simply clear comms. It just seems, frankly, more modern. So I think it's, it's um, you know, and, and I'm grateful now in this, in this hideous moment where we still obviously have, have a number of stores, but um, that we don't have that entire store network. And actually, you know, the digital businesses are the ones that, you know, are, are having an easier time. So not a crystal ball, but it, it seems like a sort of common sense reaction to what's been going on for the last 10 years, really. 
I, I feel as though you are someone who's listened to your gut instincts for a long time. And I'll take it back to when I understand you founded the business, which was in 1987. It's since grown into a global brand. You are the first accessories designer to hold an on-schedule London fashion show. You've become known for production and creativity. I have to say you're one of the first people on the show who isn't strictly an artist or in the art world, because I see a lot of your work as pop art, uh, ready-mades, the kind of allegory for conversation that the art world is, you seem to have harnessed and moved into the fashion world. And I know you collaborate with artists. So I guess my question is, how have things changed from when you started this business to now? And 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 what's the journey been like? Um, well, first of all, thank you for that lovely compliment, actually, because the idea of, of, um, of seeing any of my fashion work as, as art is, for me, is a true, true compliment. I mean, I think all art forms have um, huge similarities and huge crossovers, really. Um, you know, to a certain extent, fashion is, you know, something, it's an art form you wear. You know, you could argue that it's sort of... Um, it goes from pure art to, you know, very commercial practicality. So I guess it, it's not strictly just art for the sake of art. Um, but, you know, art fascinates me. It stimulates me. It's it's something that, uh, you know, it's kind of what I, I live and breathe for, really. So it's it's fun to play with that in fashion. And, you know, it's a huge privilege to be able to do that. I mean, the business has changed. You know, the fashion industry has changed so much in the 30-something years that I've, I've worked in fashion. Um, and I think that, fun enough, I actually think that fashion is quite unmodern quite unfashionable in many senses because it's sort of stuck in the same old mold in a way of the way fashion weeks work and it's you know it's not great at, at innovation strangely um so it's um it's a whole new sort of world so a lot has changed in answer to your question um but i i think um to your earlier point you always have to go i mean art and fashion are all about reacting they're all about gut reaction and feeling the mood and sort of smelling what's going on and, and reacting to that. You know, I always say with um, design, you always need to to feed your brain because you need to be out there reading everything, seeing everything, going to every exhibition, just kind of taking it all in because that's what makes it feel, that's that's why things pop out. You know, it's a sort of reaction to what you've seen to a certain extent. So um, so I think the fashion industry has changed a lot, a huge amount, probably could change more, honestly. Um, and uh, and I think art and fashion are obviously closely linked and um and, and both my complete passions. Well, one of the things I would I would say is that you were probably on the forefront of pulling the fields of art and fashion together. And now we have Virgil Abloh and Tom Brown and Sterling Ruby and Chanel asking uh, the Serpentine director to be their CEO because they're catching on to what you've known for a long time that art's an accelerator to an evolution uh, that helps people accept themselves and communicate who they are as a society. And as a British designer, you bring the wit and humor, but also the principles of society together in accessories and handbags. And now it seems absurd to say it, but I know that you do it because it's happened to me when I've been carrying your bags. Can you comment (laughs) on that whole thing I just unpacked for you? <laughs> well, thanks. Um, well, I, think, uh, I mean, I think, as I said before, the two things are very tightly sort of knitted together. I mean, 
the humor point I've, I've always loved. Uh, and I mean, the, the things I'm fascinated by, honestly, I'm, I'm fascinated by craftsmen. That's what really, that's what I get out of bed for. I find people who make things, which is, which is, which is art, but a sort of a different side to art, but I think people who can make beautiful things. And I, I mean, that's my absolute fascination. fascination. That's where I started. I, I find, um, I love personalization, things that are made for you. I think that's that's something that's always sort of being a sort of thread through my work. But I, I, I love humor because I just think ultimately, you know, art and uh, fashion are they're not, you know, they're not necessary things. They're 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 high up on the Maslow's hierarchy scale. They, you know, they're they're things that are, you know, they should make you smile or make you happy or make you feel great or make you feel confident or change your mood. There should be those um that's the point of them. Um, so um, I've quite forgotten your question, but I think ultimately, actually, if you're going to be, um, you know, good at making things that people want to carry, which a handbag is quite sculptural, honestly, it's not like a piece of clothing. It's actually, they are little pieces of sculpture, little pieces of art to a certain extent, and also actually kind of, of engineering too, because they need to work and close and clunk and last, despite the fact you wear them hopefully to, to death. Um, so so those things are, um, you know, are, are key. And, and if you can make them so they feel like little pieces of art, I think, I think they communicate. That's what art does. It communicates, isn't it? It's tribal. It's, um, it's a language. It's, it's self-expression. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's very powerful in that way. And I think fashion overlaps in, in that sense. I think you break down a lot of barriers of what is elite uh, and, and not accessible and, and create this kind of, communicate this kind of self-acceptance. Self and I say that because I think once someone gets your handbags, the dairy milk or the emojis, or I'm not a plastic bag, it wakes them up to other things that they can talk about, uh, whether it's the environment or Jeff Koons' ready-mades or Andy Warhol's pop art. You have this way of treading a line between something like an emoji and an environmental issue like ocean awareness. Uh, anyway, it's a unique talent, and I'm so pleased that you're navigating that line between fashion and art. And ultimately, I've said this to you so many times, I'm hoping I get to be the person that curates a show of your iconic handbags and show how they are art, if that would ever be something you'd be interested in. It's, it's been incredibly exciting and sounds going to be slightly scary at the same time. But I think the um, the point is you, you have to sort of react to these things. And um, I mean, I, I'm, I've always the thing I don't like, I suppose, is, is handbags for status. It's funny, fashion fashion has two sides to it. You know, there's obviously the fashion that just kind of gets you through, sure. Um, but there's also when you go into sort of fashion as art, sort of, you know, the, the, the unnecessary fashion, if you like. Um, the bit that, I, that doesn't appeal to me is the status part where you're wearing something to show, you know, how wealthy you are or, you know, where you've been. Or that, that's completely uninteresting to me. Um, the bit that is that is interesting is, is the bit that defines your character, that changes your mood. They always say um, that an actor never gets fully into the to the... The, the, the part of the, the role, the character, until they wear the shoes of the character. And it's amazing how I, I think that's true. I put on a pair of shoes and I walk differently and I behave differently. It, it mood, it's mood altering. Fashion is mood altering in, in the same way that I think art can be as well. Um, and that's the bit that interests me. And therefore, I think you can navigate between, you know, discussing some quite meaty subjects such as, um, you know, you know, plastic overconsumption and, and landfill, um, as well as some quite frilly, um, funny things like making dairy milk out of sequins into an evening bag because in a, in a funny way they both they're conversations aren't they 
Um, we always talk about designing conversational pieces, and I think they're both conversations. They're both, they're both. You can be that same woman. I mean, the, the, you know, ultimately, my acid test is, you know, how do I feel about it? And, and you know, I, I want to have a um, something that's made by a company that that you know is committed to things that cares about things. It has to be authentic. I suppose is the point. I think when you lose the authenticity, then it doesn't hang together. But these are things I, I care about, and it can be as frilly as a dairy milk. Um, you know, hand a beaded bag or something as meaty and important when you're just sort of discussing landfill and actually how to how to handle it. So um, I think if, if you can kind of stick to just being totally honestly authentic, um, and that's often not very fashionable, by the way, um, but then it sort of hangs together. I think, I don't know, I just follow my gut. <laughs> Nothing more thought through than that, really. One of, one of the takeaways from what you just said for me, and especially during COVID, when so many fairs and fashion shows and uh, eye contact ways of meeting clients have been taken away. The, the people who seem to be doing well through this are people who their clients trust, businesses that have developed a great trust with their client, that have a relationship and a network. And it seems that that's what you have with the people who buy your bag. And the people you surround yourself for. And when I listened to you on that Monday morning at 8 a.m. at Maddox Gallery talking about the team you worked with, it was the, the, the flipping the script on how to do business that, that profoundly changed the way I thought and felt about businesses as a whole. I think you said, you know, there's this adage, there's no friends in business. Well, you flipped it so that there was no business without friends. And that meant a lot to me. Well, I think I think the thing is that you know it's I mean you can do it several different ways, can't you? I mean there's all sorts of people we all know who you know live with the the, the sort of stick, not the carrot, and you know they're tough and gruff. And um, but you know you can win you can win the, the 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 battle, but not the war. You know, and I think that you know you can. It's just not in my character. I, I you know through Pat's sort of insecurity, he used to say why I like having a nice atmosphere. I can't bear people fighting. I want people to be pulling together. I would much rather. Um, you know, lead my team through having fun and through setting goals and beating them and celebrating them. And I think that, um, you know, you, you can absolutely be successful that way. I don't think you have to do it the other way. You, you know, who's, who's to say, but I, I really, I genuinely believe you can. Um, so I think that um, that is key. And I think that, um, you know, frankly, the, the idea that, um, that, that fashion has to be sort of tough and 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 nasty is, is actually anyway a bit of a myth frankly because in fact all the people I work with in fashion are incredibly collaborative and supportive and and helpful which is which is really nice as well so the atmosphere is already pretty good I think probably there's an element of the sort of female um stance in the sense that I was just reading something about how the different um prime ministers have actually handled um COVID-19 and the sort of the I think women are often sort of just a bit more open a bit more prepared to be vulnerable perhaps and I think often that works in in in, in leading a team. Um, I don't know. For me, you know, it is the, the company you keep, and um, and I, I, you know, I'm a huge. I mean, I'm lucky enough to pick everyone I work with, and it's like putting together a really kind of good dinner. You know, it's people I want to be with, and we spend a lot of time together. So, so why not, really? And I think it does. I hope it does show through the product and through the comms and through 
some of the fun that we have, which of course bleeds into some of the kind of the, the, the work comms. So I hope it shows our values, which is that we care about people, but we care about doing good things. That's not always for profit, honestly. And then we care about, you know, beautiful craftsmanship and, and things that last because well, it's another whole subject, but you know, the idea that you have a bag for a season is just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> but I could drone on about that for hours. Thank you on your high marsh. You've been listening to A Private View with me, Maeve Doyle. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye for now.